I just, just like had sitting here waiting. Hello. Hi. I just ha- have you seen the movie um, Barbarian yet? Me and wait, have we talked about it? Yes. Didn't okay. Didn't we? We talked about it just a smidge. Yes. Okay. Well, I just had a barbarian moment, and if for those of you who don't, I'm not going to ruin anything, but I feel like okay. I basically was peeing, and I didn't have toilet paper, and I'm wearing a jumpsuit. And so I was like, I need to go get toilet paper. And I was like, but I can't like pull my jumpsuit up. So I was just basically like nakedly running around (laughs) the apartment trying to get toilet paper. And I hunched over because I thought that that would prevent anyone. Yeah. (laughs) It would prevent anyone from the outside world seeing me. And I truly like, I was like gremlin-y. Running around. <laughs> I'm picturing it. Oh, my gosh. It's a barbarian, but also a little bit of a Samara moment, too, because yes. your hair is really long. So, like, I can picture it just kind of being oh. floating out in front of you. It was a barbarian I, moment. I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you monster. <laughs> you monster. <laughs> you know, one of the things I do appreciate, I know that we already talked a little bit about barbarian, but my brother and I talked a lot about it when we were driving up to Vermont together for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I do really appreciate that they cast characters in the male roles that were unexpected. You know, like the the person who classically p- plays a monster and a bad guy is the good guy. Yeah. And the person who is always the good guy is suddenly bad. And I liked that. It was unexpected for those two characters. Yes. For those two actors. I agree. I agree. That movie definitely stuck with me image-wise. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little golem like too. Which the way that I so badly the woman moves about. I so badly want to dress up as Gollum for Halloween. You should. You should. You should. Okay. Please. Uh, let's do it together. But you're Gollum, mm-hmm. and I'm something completely unrelated. But I've always wanted to wear a bald cap, and I've been looking for moments to do that. And I feel like I could be Captain Underpants. <gasps> I feel like that would be That's a good one. That's such a fun one. Yes. I also get to wear a bald cap. We're just two different bald cap parts gals. of childhood. I'm like, were you five years old and loved poop jokes? <laughs> Captain Underpants. Were you 12 and wanted to be in Hogwarts? Wait. No, Lord of the Rings. Whoa. Yeah. Wrong movie. Dobby. Sorry. That's okay. They're, they are Sorry. They're like cousins, you know? Dobby. I feel like they're I was related. picturing Gollum, but I put him in Dobby's house. Oh, yes. <laughs> which is wrong. Yes. I love those videos on TikTok where it's like a Harry Potter party and everyone's dressed up, you know, mm-hmm. kind of cute. And then there's someone dressed as Dobby running around. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, speaking of, oh my gosh, this is a good segue. Wait, this is Two Girls, One oh, Ghost. Oh, yeah. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. And Hi. I am Sabrina. And we're we're Couch City again because it's just we are cozy and comfortable. Okay. But you were talking about parties and it made me... I think of this. I actually screenshotted it because I wanted to share it with you and ask you these questions. But while I was on oh. TikTok, of course, there was a woman who posted – her name is Allie Gone Away. And she okay. posted this question that was basically like, hey, here's a question that I have in my back pocket and everyone else should have a question like this in their back pocket where if you're at a party, a dinner party, and like conversation has gone dead <laughs> and it's about to be awkward – And you need to fill up conversation with everybody in the room Mm -hmm. to keep things going. You have to have a question to ask that. And so her question was, and I'll ask it to you and then I'll read you a few 
from the comments. I feel like I'm taking like a Cosmo quiz or Seventeen Magazine. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Seventeen Magazine. Okay. So Allie's question, I'll probably butcher it, was basically like, if you die and you don't know how you die, like it's, let's just assume it's peaceful, it's sudden, it's bloop, you're dead. And you zip off to wherever we go when we die and you are told you get to go back to earth actually for five minutes. Okay. But the rules are you cannot go visit any of your loved ones, friends, family, anyone that you know. Okay. So that would scare them, right? Because you're You'd be like a dead zombie ghost right. and that's scary. Yeah. So okay. you just get five minutes uh-huh. to go somewhere on earth that would make you feel incredibly fulfilled or somewhere that you want to go. Where would that be? Hmm. Okay. Five minutes. Five minutes. Just a quick blip. But you could go see someone else. Like like if you don't – if they don't know you, like could you – If they don't know you're dead. Like could yeah, I go visit I Harry so. Styles or something like that? Absolutely. Or, or Kesha. <laughs> Um, get arrested like tmz <laughs> is like crazed woman outside of the gates of harry styles home and your family's like what she's dead though and then okay no. follow-up you should, question you can't be on you can't make yourself be on tv okay thank you that's a good follow-up question okay clarification yeah you can't break into the white house or something well that's okay so that's my question is do you need to get access to this place or in the five minute bloop you just get to go wherever you want and there's no like rules in terms of access why are you going to area 51 (laughs) maybe that's a good one that's a good one yeah because well honestly like i'm already dead if i like what do i have to lose okay well where, where would you choose assuming that you did have to gain access like assuming that you have all the same access that you do right now okay sabrina as sabrina is mm-hmm. where would you go probably like a, like a cat shelter yeah that's good hopefully wherever you go when you die also has cats <laughs> and animals yes and all that good that stuff. is um a mandatory requirement um yeah you know where, what i was would more you thinking do? of it well i was thinking more i think you're you're thinking like oh how do i see all the answers to the universe or spend extra time with the things that i love like cats but in my mind, I was like, all those things will be, all those answers and things will be wherever I'm going. Okay. So fair. I was thinking more of like, you know, I'm very scent oriented. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to think of places that I would go that would just be like incredibly calm and I'd get like all of the sensory overload that I want and would remind me of my life on earth. So I was thinking of two places. Either I would go in Stowe, Vermont, I'd go up Mount Mansfield up at the top where it smells like pine and mm. cedar and just like like all the dead needles and leaves on the ground and it smells so good. And then I would get to just look at Vermont. That's really nice. For five minutes. And then I was also thinking Lake Champlain because <gasps> double whammy, Lake Champlain. Champ. I spent my life, yeah, like being bopping around, like being so peaceful, taking in the lake and just floating on my little boat. So you want my, peace and serenity. I want peace and serenity, but I get to double dip on Lake Champlain because I could also see Champ. That's true. Okay, though, wouldn't – okay, this also brings up – see, this is why you can't ask me questions like this at a party because then you're stuck in a conversation for like eight hours because this is the point though it's like <laughs> you don't want the party to end i know but people would be like okay sabrina you're taking this far too seriously like this is supposed to be a fun question and now you're like pontificating about you're asking too many <laughs> <Yeah. follow-ups. laughs> 
what are the exact rules? My follow-up question is like, okay, well, what does the afterlife look like? Because that also changes what the answer is. It does. It does. I don't think I don't think you get to know. You just have to make a decision. I want answers. You know what my question is? Okay, I'm going to ask you a few. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. My question, and this is like, and I've done this, I think, just out of like ner- neuroses. Like I was just like nervous and like didn't know what to do. I've like asked like, so how would you kill someone if you had to kill someone? <laughs> how would you get rid of the body? That reminds me of when our friend Allie, were you in the car with Allie when she called me one time? No, it was Lauren. Lauren and Allie, they were in a car with someone else. But Allie called me and I picked up and I was like, hi, what's going on? Mm-hmm. She was like, I have a question for you. If you were to dispose of a body, how would you do it? And I just paused and I said, is there someone else in the car with you? And she just started laughing. And the whole car started laughing because the point was like, Corinne knows. That I would yeah. know. <laughs> and I was like, I can't. If I don't know the other person in the car, I can't. Yeah. You I can't, can't you out the yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and also that's like, no. you can't share the secrets with everyone. Also, disclaimer, this is. Well, this is yeah. another good one, too, to your to your point of like asking those wild questions. questions. Mm-hmm. The comment section of this post was hilarious, but. Someone wrote, Kate Wells, 25, wrote that their nephew at Christmas asked, what conspiracy theory or unsolved mystery do you believe in? Which is such a good one to ask people. Because I feel like you'd you'd be surprised by some people's answers. That is a good one. What's your answer, Bigfoot? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) We're the wrong people to ask this one. (laughs) I'm more curious what like a regular person's answer would be. What is a regular person? I don't think I surround myself around regular people. Yeah. I think hmm, hmm. I think a, a conspiracy theory that I, I really, truly believe in mm-hmm. to some extent. Well, no, not to some extent. I do believe in mermaids. Like, I think that there <laughs> are some sort of creature. I don't know that they look like women. With I mean, we already know this. I did a whole episode <laughs> where I was like, I believe yeah. in mermaids. But I don't know. I think that there's something. There's There's something in the water that's different than what we know. To be like what currently there's looks like so much in the water and they're nefarious, yeah, malevolent creatures. Yeah, you know what? I had like what about you? The weirdest dream. This is such a tangent. Uh, okay, well, I believe in everything as well. Um, I'll go back to my tangent in a second. I just wanted to answer your question. Let's see. It's like a really big conspiracy that I believe in. I think you told me this, but like I do believe some birds are fake. Oh. <laughs> Wait, this reminds me. I just went to the Museum of Science mm-hmm. last weekend, and there's an exhibit where they they show different like historical variations of technology and film and cameras. Uh-huh. And they had a what looked like a pigeon with a camera on its back, and it was just supposed to represent how they would hook cameras to pigeons. But it took me like a good two minutes because my mind was like, oh, my God, in the Museum of Science, they're literally telling us that birds aren't like, – there are birds that aren't real. Like that's – I thought that the like model Convinced. was actually their robot bird. I was like, yeah. whoa! <laughs> but I mean, there's – I'm sure there's some security cameras out there, right, that look Gotta be. very bird-like. Gotta be. But birds as a whole are not – are real yes yes correct just some some thank you for clarifying i don't believe that the entire bird population is fake because if they were they would be yeah believe exactly that would be like why'd you put so much effort into creating so many different types of birds just to make them cameras like come on and also another big problem like if 
if you're trying to get rid of all of the birds that exist and replace them all with robots, you also would have to do something about the cat population because people would find out because cats go after birds, right? Yeah. There's a lot of animals that would present to a lot of people who you don't want knowing your secret, your secret. So don't touch the birds because we can't touch the cats because the cats are perfect and beautiful. Because the cats are, I agree. My tangent. All right, I have one more question for you. Oh, the tangent I was going to go on is I've been having such wild dreams that I like, I've I've started a dream journal because they are so. Oh, have you? Like, I remember such detail lately. And I think it's probably just everything I'm going through, but they are so vivid. And it's also like, it's, it's very... I'll explain one. It's not going to make sense, really. But I basically was um, – oh, gosh, this is, it's so hard to explain dreams because, like, I feel like it just makes sense I if know. you hadn't even visually see it. But anyway. I wish we there, could record them. There were – Rewatch oh, them in the morning. That would be so cool. I know. It would be helpful. One of my dreams, there was, like a, a, like, a speakeasy, like, diner place that, like, I was trying to go up into. But I was wearing my big combat boots that are really heavy and the stairs were really skinny and I couldn't get up the stairs. And it was really frustrating. Finally, I get up the stairs and we're like sitting down for dinner. And all of a sudden, like there's this like conspiracy of like the these like murders that are happening. And there's like a group of women who supposedly are committing them. And I go up to the bathroom and I'm in the bathroom and a police officer like bursts in. And I'm in the stall, so I'm like kind of like no one sees me. And the police officer bursts in and there are these two women. And he was like, I know who you are. And they they kill him. And I don't know. I end up like getting out and I see these girls and they're fairies. Like it's very much like sirens of um, like in Wednesday. And whoa, I'm trying to like. T- this is a sci-fi murder mystery. Yes. And I'm trying to tell everyone that this table of women who's like sitting there are all the murderers, but they're like staring at me and giving me a look and like very much like, oh, we're going to get away with this. Anyway. I believe in fairies is is the tangent that I was going on. Oh, yeah. I believe in fairies, too. I almost – I mean, that's an amazing dream, Sabrina. And part of me wanted to stop you while you were retelling it to say, like, hey, you should just make this into a show. Like, don't don't <laughs> tell everyone. Just keep it, keep it and write it. I feel yeah. like sometimes so many of our dreams give us all the best ideas. Yes, that, anyway. that and things that you say, Corinne. No. Yes. Uh, My word vomit. Yeah. Okay, well, one last question for you, Sabrina. Okay. Maybe this will give you – actually, no, two more questions. Okay. Because there's some good ones. And then we'll get to okay. ghost stories. Yeah. All Out of Milk said, if you were going about your normal day, how many owls would you need to see before you thought something was wrong? Two. Two? Yeah. Final answer? Yeah. 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 I feel like two, two is good. I think I'd maybe need to see three. I don't know. I, I haven't even had a day where I've seen one, like unless I'm like, out in the wilderness – so I think two would definitely, and especially, you know, we've heard of, and I don't want to say the word, but the entities that present as owls, mm-hmm. I think I would, upon seeing the first owl, I would immediately go there. And then if I saw a second owl, I'm also picturing it like in Harry Potter, when you go outside and like an owl's just like sitting on the top of your car, like that, I'm picturing it being that close to me. Oh, yeah. I like the fourth kind where it's just in your windowsill staring at you before you get abducted. See, I would like that and though. the final question okay for you is and this is uh ariella but quarantined asked this if you had to hide a draft from the government <laughs> where would you put it <laughs> where would you put it i want to hear your answer first i don't know i haven't thought of an answer to that i'm just scrolling right now 
if you had to hide a giraffe from the government, um, okay, well now I'm gonna get too nitty gritty about this, but I would not want it's, to it's hide alive. a giraffe. I want to go put it into the wild again. Okay, you have to play the game. Okay, fine. You have to play the game, and it's not a dead body giraffe that you can just bury. Well, I don't want to do that either. Um, okay. <laughs> <sighs> I think I would hide it in my backyard, which I don't have, but I, in this scenario, I have a backyard <laughs> and I plant really tall trees. Mm-hmm. Where would you put it? And that's it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my brain then just goes to put a giraffe in the bathtub and I just like want to ha- take a bath with a giraffe and that feels like yeah. a children's book. Right. And if you hide it in a body of water, then people are going to think it's a, a lake monster, right? Because it's <laughs> tall neck. head coming out is very serpent-like. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps your idea could work if you put it in a secluded backyard with a lot of tall trees. Yeah. And then you painted it in some sort of camouflage to make it look like the foliage that's around it. This is just reminding me when we were in South Africa, my favorite photos are the ones where there's a bunch of tall trees and all of a sudden there's just like a little like giraffe head sticking out of the top. (laughs) The two little nubs, their little antenna. What are those even for? Do you know? Did you learn? Mm. What are the nubs on the top of giraffes? Gus did tell us and now I'm blanking. And I think Mm -hmm. the technical term is nubs. You are correct because that's that is scientifically (laughs) correct. (laughs) Oh, God, love those nubby little little nubs. (laughs) Well, this is going to become a nature podcast eventually. We'll get there. Yeah, I don't even know what this became. I mean, this kind of just became the uh, quiz questionnaire episode. Yeah. Everyone think of what your question would be. Oh, this is good. And if you're on our YouTube or if you're looking on Instagram, we post and say, hello, this is our new episode. (laughs) Write write down what your question would be. That's a good idea. Because then that helps helps everyone else have a list of questions. Mm -hmm. You won't even just have just one prepared. You'll have a whole bunch of questions ready to go. Great. Yeah. That's a great idea. This is a good community. And I'm extroverted until I'm not. So... It when would, I'm, it's helpful for me too. Introverted as hell. So yeah, I don't think that I don't think that about you, Sabrina. Well, it, what I think it that you're an extroverted introvert. What it, I think you're like you're like me. Like you you could talk and conversate with people and like be a life of a party for ninety minutes, and then maybe sixty. Ninety is pushing like, it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. But I think – Well, I've seen it. I've seen it from you. That's why. Like 90 minutes is short. I feel like I've seen you go for longer. Yeah, well, then like I mentally black out and I have to sleep for 10 days. But I think what it has to do with more is how you recharge. And I get way more drained being around a bunch of people. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, those energy so suckers. a little bit of extroverted introverts, sh- social introverts. Yeah, I like people sometimes. Or it's like if – if you have a Saturday free, what do you do? Do you reach out to people to hang out? Well, maybe this is just getting too much into this is, anxiety and depression. I was, now I'm real, I'm like, in the summertime, yeah, I would. But then in the winter, I'm like, well, I'll just sit at home alone. Well, so. let's just – just I just want to make note of where my brain is. When you said, let's just say it's a Saturday, I heard, let's just say it's a sad day. <laughs> <laughs> And if you could see the bags under my eyes, there's been a lot of them. Mm. No, it's okay. It's good. We're good. Um, You know what? Change and growth. And yes. And you know what cheers me up? Bad hair days. Same. Okay. Okay. Into the research of the week. So I do want to provide a content warning up front that this episode contains graphic content not suitable for some audiences. I do mention uh, the description of child death in parts of this story. Okay. All righty. 
Okay. Emigrants of the Oregon Trail. We used to play the game when we were in middle school. Yes. But for a lot of people, that was real life and really scary and dusty and dirty and threatening to their lives. And there's a place on the Oregon Trail that these people called the Gate of Death. Mm. The terrain there is jagged. It's these big boulders. The trails are very winding and tight. So as they'd be going around, they'd have a lot of blind spots. They don't always know what they're going to come up into and and have to defend themselves against. Or are they going to drop off a cliff? You know, there's a lot lot of scary terrain in this area and difficult terrain if – you're thinking about how people would travel on these like wagons right. for thousands of miles, right? Yeah. With like their entire place. life's like supplies, like everything. everything they own. And like their kids. 12 family members. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yes. And this was a place, the gate of death, that reminded them of just how alone and vulnerable they really were. Jeez. It is where danger lurks. This place is Massacre Rocks. And it is now known as Massacre Rocks State Park in Idaho. And there's an urban legend in this area, which is really what this episode is going to be about. And it's one that's equally tragic and frightening. It is the legend of water babies. Uh, We've mentioned water babies or we've had a listener mention them once. Yeah. And I always get them confused with melon heads. Melon heads were (laughs) the legend of the melon heads were of these children that had escaped some sort of horrible yeah. hospital si- Like testing situation. situation, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then lived in the woods, basically. Okay. And that their heads were melon-shaped. Yes. Or it was like a horrible name to remind people of the deformities that these children had based on the horrific like testing that had been done on them. Right. So – Melon heads, that legend is in the woods and it is on land, I guess. Yes. Water babies. There's a few variations of this legend and we'll talk about it. But first, we're going to talk about the massacre uh, state rocks version of water babies. Okay. So centuries ago, the native people who lived in the area were thrown a terrible challenge from Mother Nature. And that was that there was a horrible famine. So people were starving to death. It was really serious. And this wasn't just like a one growing season sort of situation where everybody has to get through one year and then it's going to be better. This was a multi-year issue for people. And so people's lives were extremely threatened from the land that they had spent centuries and centuries. And really, there's evidence of people, the Native people, being here for thousands of years. And so now they are faced with this horrible situation where so much of their land is is destroyed and it's not good for farming growing crops and and farming and hunting and whatnot so there wasn't enough food for everyone the elders were starving parents were starving children were starving people were dying and so it is said in the legend that people gathered together and discussed what they could do how they could possibly survive through the year of constant starvation They were all terribly weak. They were sick. And the threat of any new mouths to feed really worried everyone. And so they made an impossible decision. And this is where I'm going to give the trigger warning, the content warning for infant death. It was decided by everybody in the group that rather than willingly bring children into the world only for them to be starved and in pain and die soon after, because that's what would happen. They would die. The babies were to be returned to the spirit world once they came here. What? And once this decision was made, it was said to be enforced, 
and mothers were made to walk their babies to the river <gasps> and to end their child's hunger once and for all. This is real. This is a legend. Okay. This is a legend. Yeah, I'll remind everyone this is a legend. Okay. This is, there's no evidence of this happening. There's evidence truly of a drought. Right. Or not, sorry, not of a drought, but of famine. this starvation period, yeah. this famine. But there is not any evidence of this happening to any of the kids. But this is, this is, go- this is like the oral history. Okay. This goes back to your question of like believing in conspiracies. And do you believe, like we both said we believe in all of them. This is a legend I hoped, I don't want to believe in. Right. And it's also, I mean, it's, it's horrible, right? Like you yeah. don't want to think about that ever happening to anybody. Yeah. Just very sad. But it's also understandable how something like that could come if in oral histories, you know, people are talking about something that scares them or a time period in their life where it was just like so completely atrocious that a lot of these stories do have some fear factor to them, right? Like you have to add in some horrific things because it felt horrific going through it. And you want to warn the like next generations of what could possibly happen. But this this is a legend. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. Okay, so basically it it was said in this legend that for many years this is what happened because until they could begin to feed themselves enough, they would not feed new mouths. And so no new children were able to join this world yeah. uh, in that community. And so the legend of water babies was born. At least here it was, right? Because that makes sense. Babies whose spirits uh, were released to the river – yeah. Then were said to imprint on the land and the water. And it said that if you sit on the bank of Snake River in Massacre Rock State Park, so it's this river that's, it goes through the park. It's not super long either, um, or at least that stretch of it. If you sit there on the bank, that you will hear babies crying, the residual stain and a reminder of just how devastating life was all those years ago. So a horrific beginning to the water babies legend. But I will say I put this at the top so that we could get it over with because the the rest of the water babies legends from various areas in the United States is a a lot uh, creepier, I guess. Oh, It's not as sad. Okay. So I just wanted to get the the sad part out Thank first. You. Okay. So perfect beginning, but just a reminder that is an urban legend. There are absolutely – there's no physical or like written evidence that that is what happened to these kids. Yeah. Okay. Sad, but a legend. Thank you. Okay. Um, I also want to note that in this period that water babies were born or they're said to have been born, this legend here at Massacre Rocks State Park – there was a period of several years where there was uh, starvation and famine. In the 1800s, white settlers were hunting on, traveling on, and destroying Native people's land. So basically, the Oregon Trail was extremely destructive as yeah. well. Like all of that migration to the West and really all, all of the Americas. But uh, it really was affecting everybody. And so Suddenly the land was not destroyed because of anything with seasonal changes or really Mother Nature. It was the people that were destroying this land and sending this group into a multi-year period of starvation. Yeah, this is why humans are the the monsters, the real monsters. Oh my gosh. Again, when I was at the Museum of Science, there were certain exhibits that I was looking at and I was literally like, oh my God, humans are such parasites. Like yeah, it was that's the right scary word. to see some of the changes. I think I was going through like the animal extinction exhibit and I was just like, oh uh, God, it's hard to look at. Yeah, it is. Okay. But to the Native people, to the Shoshone people, this led to years of hunger and struggle. 
And then in January of 1863, the U.S. Army massacred hundreds of Shoshone tribal members. Those who survived were relocated and lived many more years in famine and were exposed to new diseases. And this event was called the Bear River Massacre. Can I make a note real quick? Mm -hmm. You did this whole like little like preamble of I got the sad stuff over with in the beginning and dove directly into more tragedy. More tragedy. (laughs) I should have said that two paragraphs from where I said it. (laughs) So I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. We're going to, we're going to, you know what? I have like five more paragraphs actually that's going to be sad (laughs) and then we're going to get into some creepier stuff. But yeah, I mean like it's just even more backstory of like that's what actually happened in this area. So you can see why all of these legends and and oral histories became because obviously it's tragic and it's scary and there was a lot of people that died. A lot of, we can presume a lot of babies that were extremely sick too, right? And like children, young children getting these diseases that they'd never been exposed to before. And yeah. passing away. Yep. So it's it's awful. And obviously the U.S. In- involvement was crazy. And I just want to say, I want to also go on another like side tangent okay. that when I was writing down the dates, like, okay, 1863, that's when the Bear River Massacre happened, where all of these people were murdered by the by the U.S. Army. It just kind of made me stop and think about how long ago that actually was. And it wasn't. No. Like, I feel like we always talk about these things that happened in our past, like, oh, wow, they're so far away from us, so far removed in history. Like, we're past that now. We're so much better. And that was, I mean, when this happened, that's like, what? That's like our our grandma's grandma was probably alive at that point. Right. Yeah. It's so wild. And also just, it reminds me, or it doesn't really remind me, but it makes me more curious of epigenetics and just sort of like how cells have memories and how things like that affect our DNA because that's that's an ancestor that's not that far away yeah. from us like today. Passed on family traumas. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this stuff so much and so much of our podcast too are are things that were like, oh, this happened 150 years ago, but like generationally, that's not that long ago. And so. And, yeah. And it just feels disconnected from us because our lives relative to that have been much shorter. Yes. 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 But it made me realize, you know, all this stuff yeah. is still living in many of us. Yes. Many people. Okay. But <laughs> tangent aside, <laughs> uh, there is another version of this urban legend from the same area. So from Snake River and Massacre Rock State Park that says that this didn't actually happen to the Shoshone people. So the, I mean, obviously the starvation and famine, that's that's accurate. But urban legend wise, it's saying that there were no babies brought to the river. Okay. But rather this happened to a group of white settlers on the Oregon Trail And this, because this area was like factually a popular spot for people to, to travel through and to head towards because they got some reprieve, right? Like the, it was a little bit treacherous in Mm -hmm. in terms of the terrain, but then they got to post up at Snake River, take their time eating, fishing, like refiguring things out, doing their laundry. Like it, it was a spot that was generally a safe stop for them. Yes. Okay. So there were many people who passed through this area. And so it's it's thought that perhaps this happened to a family 
there. And that's kind of what triggered this story. Because although it was a great place for people to stop and take a little break, the conditions obviously weren't great. I mean, for anyone, essentially backpacking, mm-hmm. unprepared backpacking is basically what the Oregon Trail was. <laughs> like it's gonna be, it's gonna be difficult. Yes. And there were a lot of other um white settlers who were headed west that took advantage of the other people that were going in that direction too and started to ambush people and rob them and people were murdered. There were a lot of diseases. And so it's thought that this could have happened to a a group of people, white people who were heading west. But it's also likely the urban legend stemmed from just how many diseases and illnesses children faced. Yeah. Both the Shoshone people and all of the settlers during that time period. Yep. I mean, if we remember Oregon Trail, it was almost impossible to get to the end or to win that game because yeah. you pretty much every time you died of dysentery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, almost every single time, right? There's um, a couple years ago in a like white elephant I won, there's like a board game version of it basically. Oh. And Nick and I were super excited to play it. And I'm not kidding when like the first card we pulled, we both died and we were like, <laughs> okay and then we it's were so like sad. we're like we probably just did this wrong and we tried to do it again and like the second card we pulled we died and we we're like this isn't fun <laughs> moving on it's not a fun <laughs> yeah maybe not a fun board game right yeah it's like you're most likely gonna die mm-hmm. it's more supposed to be like a lesson that you learn on your yes on your old early 2000s computer that you're playing at school or whatever and then the little pixelated thing is like died of dysentery mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah the graphics make it yeah yeah Okay, so the urban legend goes further to explain that these babies that were submerged into the water didn't actually pass away here. So this is another version from the same area. Rather, they morphed into something else entirely. So in Snake River, these infants' bodies changed. They adapted to their environment very, very quickly. They started growing uh, fins and gills, which allowed them to live in the water. And the water babies would hunt small fish and they would survive off an area of land which wasn't being so generous to their their families at the time. And so they were almost better off in the water. And just as people today believe that they hear babies crying on the bank of the river's edge of the bank of Snake River, people have also reported seeing these water babies in this fish-like state with their gills and their fins moving through the water playing in the river and venturing into the canals in the area. Whoa. Whoa. That's a nicer twist. Yeah. Right? They're like enjoying their time with each other. Yeah. Just playful little. It reminds me almost of um, otters, river otters, how they just play they're together. So and they're so cute. They're so cute. And I feel like that's what water babies are. Yeah. I'm that's also imagining be. mandrakes. Mm. Like I'm kind of picturing yes. that like little weeds grow out of them, you know, like the water yeah. weeds and mm-hmm. they like get plucked from the roots. I don't know. That's just where my brain went. Yeah. But I mean, it's all it's nice to think about them being playful and giggling and laughing and having a good time in the water rather than hearing the cries from the yeah the shore because the, the bank. The cries is so sad and heart wrenching, but it's also horrifying just from a perspective of you and I doing this podcast for five years and hearing the amount of horrifying stories and um, the amount of times that the crying baby is not actually a crying baby. So, yeah, I know. And it just I mean, it begs the question that we've asked before, which is like, how do you know what cryptid or creature is is trying to lure you in? Right. 
or is it a haunting? Is it some of the other things that we should name? Yeah. You know, even like La Llorona, like who, who is it? Who is calling to you? What is this? Hello. It's hard. Who are you? Because there are so many, so many examples. Yeah. Water babies, though, are not exclusive to Snake River. In fact, water babies are a big part of Western Native American folklore, and tribes believe water babies are able to inhabit springs, streams, ponds, rivers, and lakes. Basically, wherever there's water, there could be water babies. Interesting. So they could be in the ocean. What if they're baby mermaids? You might be honest. (laughs) Okay. I kind of think that they're mermaids, too. Yeah. And you'll see why. Okay. So we already so we we're moving on from Snake River and Massacre Rocks State Park. Okay. So we're okay. we're going to another region and the the lore with water babies is going to be a little bit more cryptid-esque as Great. we move forward. So three and a half hours south, we are now in Utah, which I really want to go to. Have never been. Me neither. But water babies uh, take actually on I have. a much have you? Yeah. I've so, been to Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. City and um You've been to more than one place and you just said that you've never been. What's the um why am I blanking on the ski town? Oh, don't quiz me. Oh my gosh, they even have like a film festival. Why am I blanking? Oh, um It's where Sundance is. Sundance? Where Sundance is? I don't know. Okay, I wait, I, I need to I need to uh, answer this. Park City. Park City, Utah. There we go. Okay, well, we're we're not near Park City, but we are right below Salt Lake City on Utah Lake. Okay. The native Ute people told of creatures in the water. These creatures were a population of dwarves who lived in the water, underwater, and the Ute people referred to them as water babies. Mm. So these creatures are very similar to sirens. So basically, very mermaid-esque. Maybe baby mermaids. Wait, interesting that I had they, this nightmare about siren fairies. And perhaps it was me uh, de- having some type of deja vu about your story. A little premonition yeah. for today. Yeah. Maybe the water babies are trying to warn you not to talk about them. <gasps> Shh. And now look, <laughs> now look at us. <laughs> 45 minutes in. Well, Here's the thing. We've done this so many times. We've uh, attempted fate a little too much. And I feel like water babies were a little bit on the safer end in terms of creatures we're probably not supposed to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these siren-esque creatures uh, live to be very malevolent and they want to wish people harm who wander too far into their waters. So now if you're thinking, well, just don't go to the water then. (laughs) But that's hard to avoid all water. It's hard to avoid all water. And also, I have news for you. These creatures, just like mermaids, just like the siren call, they have a call of their own, Mm. and it is the sound of a crying baby. What better way to get someone to the water's edge and looking than to be looking for a baby? Yeah. So people do venture a little too far, hearing the cries of unseen infants, and people rush to the shore, walk into the water, wade out in the middle searching for the source of the sound, searching to save a baby. It's just so sad because it's like these people are being good Samaritans and trying to help only to be manipulated and lured into a, I mean, I don't know what happens, but sounds like a dangerous situation. Yeah. And it's reminding me a little bit of, um, oh gosh, what's that What's that uh, show where they go back in time and the rock and Dark. Ireland? Oh, no. um, Outlander. Outlander. 
Remember when she finds the baby mm-hmm. in the woods? Do you remember that scene? And the baby, unfortunately, yes, it's crying and she gets there a little too late to save it because yes. the people thought that it was like the, the troll or whatever had had uh, planted its own baby for them to take care of. Right. And it is just so sad, but it's like, yeah, this stuff is all baby cries. It's it's uh it's a tough thing because everything in your body says go help the baby. And almost every time you should go help the baby. Yeah. But um yeah. In lore like this, if you did that, it was a mistake. Yeah, we're not saying so, don't help the babies. That we should clarify. Please please help, help the babies. The babies. <laughs> please help the babies, but also bring a friend too, right? Yeah. Just to be as safe as possible. So hearing the cries of these un- unseen infants, people do wander into the water. Uh, and then, unfortunately for many people, they are caught by something. Caught by what is called a water baby. This nefarious water being who grabs hold of them and drags them down into the depth of the water to their death. You know what I kind of like about that is that it's like reverse fishing. We, as humans... <laughs> fish and kill creatures in the water and i like that these mm-hmm. water babies babies are like Mm-mm. we're gonna just change the narrative real quick and give you a taste of your own medicine they hunt us mm-hmm. and then hunters the bait be hunted the babies cries right like they don't need to string a little worm onto a hook for us they just need to mimic a baby's cries mm-hmm. mm, you're onto something okay so there's one more body of water in the united states that also has creatures that locals refer to as water babies. In Nevada, Pyramid Lake, it has been known to swallow men whole. So for years, there have been fishermen that have just simply vanished while fishing out on the lake. Mm. And I did look up disappearances and and deaths on Pyramid Lake. And this like, I mean, this place has got to be dangerous because there are so many articles. Because I was thinking, I went into the research being like, oh, I'm going to get a solid answer of like 15 people have gone missing Mm -hmm. since 2005. No, there's just so many articles of police need help searching for missing woman, searching for a missing man, searching for like there's so many people who capsize in their boats. I was going to ask, is it like a leisure lake or is it like because you said fishermen I think so is it yeah because I, I feel like lakes in general are really dangerous there's a lot of boating accidents a lot of mm-hmm. things like that but it sounds like it's it's the later ladder ladder it's later ladder it's a little bit of a leisure lake yeah like i mean they have all of the normal lake activities in the summer and then in the in the winter when it's too cold to go into the water it's mostly fisher yeah fishermen that are out there it's mostly used for fishing mm. um but people vanish on the lake and sometimes people are recovered but a lot of the times bodies are not recovered and so I was just curious. I was like, okay, well, how are bodies not recovered? Like what could happen for a body to not be recovered? Because most bodies float, right? So I did a little bit of research. And the reason that human bodies do float is because of bacteria. So when someone drowns or dies underwater, their lungs fill up with water. So it replaces all of the air in our lungs. And the bacteria in our guts and in our chest cavity will then produce gases. So like we've sunk with the water filling up our lungs. And then all the bacteria, if it's at the right temperature, will grow and produce these gases. 
and carbon dioxide, methane, hydrogen sulfide, which will essentially expand our bodies, make us like a little balloon and float us up to the that surface. Is which is why so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Because people sink. Yeah. And then it was like, well, what made them resurface? And it's literally bacteria. Oh, wow. But bacteria has to be at a certain temperature to be able right. to grow, which is why some people are never recovered because depending on the temperature of a body of water, if something if a place stays extremely cold year round, their body may never rise to the surface. Mm. Um, I had that in mind. And so I looked up Pyramid Lake's temperature. And right now we're in the dead of winter when this, we're, it's, we're in January and the temperatures are in the 40s and 50s in the water. So it's not cold enough for bodies to not float to the surface. Okay. Then again, there's a lot of other factors to take into consideration, like currents underwater, because lakes also have currents. Um, vegetation at the bottom that could have gotten people caught up. Mm -hmm. uh, and just in general, there's other animals that exist and could be eating people and as well. What else there's, is there's there? There's reasons, reasons for people to not resurface. But probably the biggest reason is because of water babies. Of course. <laughs> water babies. Um, I do want to just put it a note that if you plan to go to this lake, it is strongly, strongly advised by officials to wear life jackets and to be cautious because there just really are a lot of accidents on this lake. But it is said that the reason that so many people go missing and never resurface is because water babies are present and they are the ones to blame. They are angry spirits in Pyramid Lake of sick babies who were brought to the water, their lives ended, and now for centuries these water babies have been plucking people from above, bringing them down into the depths of the dark lake, ah. never to resurface. Plucking people from above. Plucking them. There's another variation of Pyramid Lake water babies that states something entirely different. Okay. <laughs> this version of the legend is that there was a native Paiute man. So the Paiute people are the uh, Native American group that lives, right, or lived, live, still lives in yeah. the Pyramid Lake area. And so there was a Paiute man at Pyramid Lake, and he happened upon the most beautiful woman he had ever laid eyes on. My God, she was striking. Oh. And she happened to be laying out right by the water's edge. So he looks at her and he kind of, you know, gives checks her out. A little so from the top hey down to the bottom. Mm -mm -mm. See what you're working with. <laughs> and where he expected to see legs, he saw a fish tail. I like to imagine. Mermaid. Yeah, definitely mermaid. But I like the, the fact that He's so struck by her beauty that the last thing he notices is the absence of legs and replacement of tail. Because <laughs> instead of the first thing, instead of the first like, thing. The yeah, that's a good point. But maybe is it even being struck by that person's beauty, or I'm calling them a person, that mermaid's beauty, or is it? one of the things that sirens mm. it's almost like a black-eyed kid right like people look at them Mesmerizing. and don't realize for a couple minutes that their eyes are actually fully blacked out Ooh. there's something in the little spell that keeps you from seeing the whole picture for a little bit yeah it's also kind of you so know he, how when things are spelled incorrectly our mm -hmm. brains automatically correct it like it's it's probably a little bit of a our brain sees what it wants to see or what it expects to see yes 
which actually reminds me, I should have done this at the top of the episode, but I did not. Our listener, Anne, reached out because for the entire episode that I did two weeks ago when I talked about the Robinson family murders, Mm -hmm. I misspoke the entire time. It is Robeson. There is no N. And so I'm going to correct that because I feel awful that I talked about that poor family for 90 minutes and couldn't even say their name correctly. So thank you, Anne, for pointing that out. Yes. But yes, our brains do make jumps change that aren't things. always yes. factual in there, and it does change things. Yeah. I also wish, just to keep going for, for a minute, I wish that, you know, how when there's like a riptide or there's a shark in the water, we have lifeguards that, mm-hmm. that scream out and alert people or put up flags. I wish for mermaids that there was some variation of that. Like, wouldn't it be so cool if you were just hanging out on the beach and then there was a siren that was like, alert, mermaid, alert, mermaid. Yes. That'd be sick. Okay, in South Africa, they have – I have a picture of it, but you know how like instead of – so we usually have lifeguards on the beach. In South Africa, they have shark watchers who are up in the like hills above the ocean, above the beaches, Ooh. and they truly sit out there for the entirety of the day watching for sharks and then they have like a radio that they can call down to – the beach to be like, hey, there are sharks. That's so smart because how are you ever supposed to see a shark from shore? It's so it's hard. So you hard. really need more of an aerial, aerial view. view. Yeah. But I was like, and they spend a lot of time in the shallows too, which is really scary because that's like literally where we are when we go into the water. But like doing that job would have, I feel like the pressure would be so high to, mm-hmm. and, and they're alone. It's not like there's two of you to have like, you know, double check your work. It's you're alone by yourself for hours at a, time which probably is boring because you're just scanning the waters and most of the time you're probably not going to see anything but what about that five minutes where you just get a little distracted and all of a sudden a shark comes and you're like ah right i know and then also just like looking at the same thing the whole time i'm sure it would be hard to actually trust that you're seeing what you think you're seeing or to even see something at all right because like things start to go if you stare at a wall long enough like i feel like it starts to move and there's like more colors and it's just yeah. like, how do you even see it at that point? The patterns are just all over the place. I also w- wonder what kind of vision that test job. you need to do in order to get that job. Mm, yeah. They should just start using drones, right? Just everybody <laughs> look with a drone right over the water. Get real close. Okay. Okay. So this Paiute man, he sees this woman so beautiful then realizes <laughs> she's a tail. Does that matter to him? No. No. He's in love. She's so beautiful. So knowing what we know about the classic siren story, we can probably assume that he was under some sort of spell, but he does bring this person, mermaid lady, back to his tribe and he wants to make her his wife. How? How and does so excited? She has no legs. That was oh, that was a great question because I also was curious about that and I could not find any variation that was like, here's how she got back there. Like, did she do the worm the whole way? Did there? he scoop did he carry her? her? Did she float? Did, did she, she grow legs? Give her voice away to Ursula to have legs? Yes. We we don't know. We don't know. Hmm. It does not it does not say. Okay. But to him, everything was fantastic. There clearly were no big red flags. And he just thought, yep, I can definitely marry this marvelous woman. So he brings her back to the tribe and is like, hello, everybody. Guess who I found? The love of my life. My wife. edge. My my wife. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Oh, 
gosh. And everybody else is not underneath these the spell, the sirens song. And so they're like, what the hell? What kind of creature did you just bring back from the lake to where we all live and expose basically like our whole community? And so they're like, no, 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 take her back. And so he does. He can't be ostracized from his community. I guess the spell doesn't work that strongly. And so he brings this mermaid person back to Pyramid Lake's water's edge. Mm -hmm. And his prospective mermaid wife must return to the lake. He won't bring her back to his tribe. And she's livid. She's like, how dare you bring me back to where you found me? This is not part of my plan. So she did want out. So she wanted out. Okay. But why? We do not know. All we know is she was so mad that whatever her plan was, was foiled Enough for her to curse the lake. So the lake is now going to pose a threat to all of the native people. And the curse showed its face not long after this fish woman was returned from the man's tribe. So he returns back and he's like, oh, my God, she did not take that well. (laughs) And (laughs) it was cursed. And they know it to be cursed because not long after, a baby was possessed. Oh, But not by just a typical old demon that we know of. This baby was possessed by a water spirit that morphed into a snake. (gasps) And this baby, now a snake, lunged at its own mother, latching its fangs onto her skin and refusing to let go. And then in a last-ditch effort to save this woman, because everybody could not detach this woman from her snake baby, the local healer in the group came and was like, demon, I will make a deal with you. And so he basically proposed to the snake baby water spirit that if it lets go of this poor woman, then they would agree that Pyramid Lake was theirs. The demon could take it. The spirit could take it. Pyramid Lake belongs to them. And according to legend, the demon accepted and the lake still is very much theirs. Wow. Deal Some with a demon. Say, deal with a demon. Can you also imagine just your child morphing into not only being possessed, but like being possessed into a, n- a whole nother reptilian like creature it, it, and attacking you? It reminds me of like Greek gods and goddesses, like a bit of the Hercules yes. story where he attacked, totally. you know, the snakes were put into his bed. Um, yeah, it's I cannot imagine. Um, actually, I, I imagine that that's something my brain would create in my dreams, but in I can't imagine having that happen in real life. Right. Well, and now it's kind of making me think like we brought up like Champlain and Champ earlier. And so, I mean, I totally believe in Champ and I totally believe that yeah. there are these species of creatures. I don't believe them to be cryptids, but just like actual animals yeah. that are undiscovered. But this is making me wonder if like, what if there are just these water spirit creatures that do appear as snakes sometimes and take on that shape? And that's sometimes what people are seeing in the water. And then we think that there's a big monster in the water, but really it's just how this entity is choosing to present itself at the moment. Yeah. I mean, that's the scary thing about dark entities is they historically have the ability to show up as anything, mm-hmm. which I'm kind of jealous of. Like, I want to be a shapeshifter. And I also want to be able, I, not that I want to curse people necessarily, but I want to have the ability to just curse people. Like, that that seems cool. <laughs> You just want to be powerful. <laughs> you want to feel so protected that you're – it doesn't matter what someone does to you. You're like, you better watch yourself because – Because I can. I can do shit to you way worse. Yeah. I guess I way just worse. I just want to be a witch. So Yeah. Ugh. What a dream. We could be. We just need to unlock our power. Let's do it. 
Some will say that these pyramid-like water baby legends have been around for centuries. Others say that this legend is new. It's just an urban legend that came basically with the internet like so many others. But also I'm like, I think that this is probably some oral history that's been passed down for a long, long time by the many, many native tribes in the Western United States. Um, So it's not new. Mm -hmm. Some people think it is. So while many people may not believe in the story and legends of water babies, I'm sure visitors and locals can agree on this, that occasionally by the water's edge at Pyramid Lake and all those other lakes that I was talking about and rivers, you may just hear the phantom cries of a baby or the joyful laughter of unseen children nearby. Are these noises evidence of some demonic reptilian creature masquerading as a human infant Or is it simply a trick of sound, perhaps the wind carrying a baby's cries over the lake from across the way? We can only hope that we don't come across such a thing, as many tribal traditions warn, the cry of a baby is an omen of death. (sighs) Water babies. babies. That is so fascinating. I know. And also just, I mean, it goes back to like, it's sad that the cries of babies can be a bad omen like i I, it just um you don't want to think that i know but it's also i mean it kind of makes sense if you think about how animals adapt and like we are animals and we could be prey to many other creatures out there but i'm just thinking about like all of the other animals out there that do certain things whether it be for mating or just for food where they trick other species other creatures to come towards them so that they can eat them, murder them. You know, like there's a lot of mimicry in nature. So much. Yeah. And babies' cries are like the the thing that can be mimicked for humans. Like what else could be mimicked that humans will Yeah. I mean innately come forward and, and follow the sound up. I mean, that's why cats ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's about it. <laughs> cats even mimic baby's cries in their purrs it's the same yeah. like um wavelengths yeah. because it like it triggers something within us as humans to, to care for them also on the ice cream truck i think during our childhood ice cream trucks and the ice cream man started to get a really bad rep that i mm-hmm. was terrified of the ice cream truck oh you were i i had some pure joy about it for a period of time and then it turned into, and it wasn't just the ice cream truck. Anytime a car drove past my home, I hid behind bushes. <laughs> you know, I feel like a lot of this is the fault of our parents. Yeah, stranger because, danger. Because some parents, and I think my mom did too, went a little too hard on stranger danger at points yeah. where it really does traumatize you. It's like you want your kids to be safe by warning them against the dangers but each child is different and how they perceive the warning is going to be different. And yeah. you can't always like it might you might just think that you're innocently being like, hey, the person that that drives by in a car doesn't necessarily live in our neighborhood. So you have to be on high alert still and like don't go up to people's cars. We don't know them. And then to a child, they might be like, oh, my God, there's murderers driving down the street. Yes. Like you never know how kids are going to take it in. I remember there was a Bern- but that does scare you, yeah. A Berenstein Bears book about stranger danger, and I don't even remember the contents of it, but I think my mom read it to me enough where it just, yeah, I, I very much. I think this goes back to like I have a very you, you too, like have a very like wild, vivid imagination, and mm-hmm. we take it to extremes that are often on the darker end of the spectrum. 
So I, yeah, I often, as a young kid, dream dreamt of being kidnapped, of being stolen from my bed, from be, of being mm-hmm. murdered. And, you know, a young kid should not have to uh, imagine those no. things. Yeah, yeah. I had the, the same thing happen. And then as soon as I flew the coop, as soon as I moved out of my parents' house, because what my mom did, she bought me the book, The Gift of Fear, which was just another reminder, like, <laughs> dangers out there. Trust your instincts. Don't be ignoring anything. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, they kept us alive. It did. So We've far. made it this far. Yep. Well, that's good. It now is good. Now we get to be here and tell stories. And then, you know, we'll be afraid. And so I could not find a story specifically about water babies. So I was like, okay, water babies kind of fall under the cryptid category. So I yes. found a story from our listener, Laura, and it is called bear question mark, moose butt question mark, Bigfoot question mark Bigfoot's ghost man bear pig (laughs) or just Sabrina Corinne ghost I don't know who is it what does it want okay what does it want hello ladies I am currently listening to encounters episode 143 and the last time I emailed you ladies I told the story of how my family survived Pele's curse no thanks to my klepto brother Well, this time I have a possible Bigfoot sighting that happened back in March and a slightly terrifying sighting of a mystery cryptid. So Mm. let's crack into it. Also, we haven't read Laura's email about Pele's curse on the show yet, but I have it and we should because it's good. So it was a chilly March day and I was bored and wanted to explore more of my new home of southern New Hampshire. So I took to Google to find some nearby haunted cemeteries as one does. This is where I found Phillips Hile Cemetery in Joffrey, New Hampshire. And I may have butchered Mm. the pronunciation of those things. I apologize. It isn't. Either way, it's very close to where I am now. Oh. So depending on how this goes, I may or may not venture. Especially. Southern New Hampshire. If it's Bigfoot related. Right. Yeah. This cemetery isn't haunted, but it has a very unique grave with an interesting backstory, and I decided it would be cool to check it out. So, with my boyfriend in tow, we set off to the cemetery, which happens to be deep in the woods, back from the road, which adds to its peaceful-slash-spooky ambiance. I was in love. So, naturally, I whipped out my phone and started filming videos for TikTok. As my boyfriend and I were wandering through the graveyard, he suddenly stopped and whispered, Do you see that? See what? I asked, straining my eyes to see what he was pointing to in the distance. And after a few seconds, I finally saw it. A very large brown blob moving about a football field's length away. Naturally, Mm. I jumped to the only logical conclusion of what I was seeing. Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot! (laughs) I announced. My boyfriend scoffed at me and responded, no, it's probably the back end of a moose or a bear. Now, I have seen a moose butt before, and that blob was way too tall and slightly too thin to be a moose butt. And I don't think a bear can stand on its hind legs for that long or be that tall while doing so. So we made our way towards this mysterious blob. Oh, no. And just... An investigator. Yes, Laura. But this is what you and I would do, too. So... I know. Well, because it's still far enough away, right? Like, it's right. not like it's five feet away and you're inching even closer. You're, it still feels like you're, you could make it out of the danger zone. And you just need, I don't know, if you're questioning is a Bigfoot, you want a little bit of a closer look. Mm-hmm. 
and just as quickly as we saw it, it vanished. If it was any animal, a moose or a bear, we would have heard it running away. And if it was Bigfoot, we would still hear him running away, right? So maybe it was Bigfoot's ghost? Or Bigfoot, like you've said, Corinne, is an interdimensional being and can zip-zap-zoop through timelines and dimensions. Okay, keeping on the cryptid train, I have one more slightly unsettling story for you about the time I saw it. Now, I say it because to this day, almost 10 years later, I still have no idea what I saw. In my town in Pennsylvania, which I grew up, there used to be a poorhouse. And with this poorhouse, they had a potter's field, a plot of land with many unmarked graves that was used to bury the residents of the poorhouse when they died. A not-so-fun fact is they found two murder victims from a cold case buried there when I was in high school. But I digress. The poorhouse is no longer standing, and all that is left is the potter's field. You would have no idea that there were bodies buried there if it wasn't for the cast-iron sign that says, Potter's Field, placed in the middle of the field as a type of memorial. In order to get to my childhood home, you have to drive down the road with the field. Well, one night when my parents were driving me home from wherever we were, we were passing the field when I saw it. Imagine Professor Lupin in wolf form, but more humanoid and less wolf and a pitch shadow blacker than the night with glowing eyes, hunched over, arching its back almost to a point. As soon as I saw it, I immediately looked away and acted like I didn't. I didn't say anything to anyone in the car and I tried to forget about what I saw and keep my focus forward. I had this thought that if I talked about or thought about it, what I saw, that it would hunt me down and kill me. You are the first people I am actually telling this story to after well over a decade of seeing this mysterious creature. Oh my gosh. Maybe it was a windy boy or a skinwalker, but they're not common in Pennsylvania. I guess not unheard of. Maybe it was one of the spirits of one of the many poor souls that was buried in that field. I don't know, and I try not to think about it too much. Stay spooky and see you on the other side, Laura. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The glowing red eyes, too. I don't know what to think. What do you think? It's so hard to know. But the fact that Laura had the thought in her head of if I talk about this or think about it too much, it will come and hunt me. Like, that's not just a thought right. you create. I mean, maybe, but like that feels like a thought it put into her head. Like, or just someone else who's lo- like another spirit, yeah. another guardian that's looking Protecting. out for Laura. Yeah. To, to give warning of because this came after the Bigfoot butt situation, right? <laughs> so everybody already knows that looks over Laura that she's very inquisitive and curious yeah. and might try to look into it more and follow this this thing. Well, I don't know and which that one would be- came first. It might the Bigfoot butt might be more recent. True. Because the it happened over 10 yes. years ago. Ugh. Ugh. It's in Pennsylvania. That's not That's not far enough away from me. <laughs> this is scary. You know what I really do believe in? And I should have answered this when we did our um, what conspiracies do you believe in? I really do believe in werewolves. So it's very possible this is a werewolf. Or like a hellhound. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I mean. Yeah. Again, there's so many cryptids. That it, it's hard to know for certain. But I love Laura's reaction for this one specifically, just to like see it and be like, nope, 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 never mind. Moving Not on. going to acknowledge that. We're going to look forward and just do, 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 go on, move on with life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't know. You just sounded My so much like Jennifer like- Coolidge. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love her. I love her so I much. Know, I watch every amazing. single time a video comes up of her, I watch the entire yeah. video. I never skip. I would love to just have a conversation with her. I just want to know what she's truly like. Yeah. Is she always just like doing characters and like that's her personality? Like she's in a character or doing this or that? Like what is she what is she like when like there's absolutely no one around her? How does she answer the phone to her mom, to her best friend? You know, like how did how did she or how does yeah. she talk to people like that? You know what they should do? And I don't know why this doesn't exist. I mean, I guess Naked and Afraid is a show, but like <laughs> They should do interviews with celebrities where you don't see anything, but like the, the interview happens naked because you're already so vulnerable that then you just share everything. It's like, hey, you already see. You just want to see Jennifer Coolidge naked? No, uh, <laughs> kind of. I want her boobs are big. I want don't to see Don't we him. all want to? <laughs> love her. I more mean like, you know how they say people open up a lot more and this is why in documentaries, like they'll record in cars just because you're not have you don't have to look at each other in the eyes. And like mm-hmm. it feels safer. And also I think the the movement, like your brain anyway, if something happens in the brain and I don't know, I don't not science this. But I wonder if there's something similar to if you're being if you're asking questions of someone when they're naked. Although it I'm see now I'm just like spiraling to myself. But if I were naked having questions, I would be so self conscious that I wouldn't be open. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I wouldn't be able to focus on anything except for the fact that I'm naked and there's a lot of people filming me. Yes, I would go back to thinking about me as the barbarian. <laughs> Maybe Laura saw oh, wait, me. This also That's the cryptid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I needed some toilet paper. <laughs> it also made me think of the, the Jersey Devil. Like what if yeah. there's some version of like land base or maybe the Jersey Devil just doesn't always fly. I mean, I know that this was in Pennsylvania. Very but like, close. It's not it's not far. It's very close. They border. Yeah. So huh. what if there are just this like variation of this creature that's just kind of like also sometimes walking on land and he just took a vacation to Pennsylvania. Hunched over. Yeah. He's like, I needed to I get to out of Jersey. His uncle in Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> needed to go get some chocolate at Hershey Park. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm curious if it, I feel like this is one of those stories that now that we've read it, we're going to get emails from other people that are like, holy shit, I've seen the same thing and I've never told anyone. I feel like that's what happens with stuff like this. It's a, You know what it reminds me of? There was a story we read from a listener or maybe it was on Campfire Stories. I don't remember specifically, but where there was like an entity jumping like roof to roof. Ed told us that story on Campfire Stories. Yeah. He looked out. Wait, right? I think so. He And he saw like this crouching. Yeah, like almost like gargoyle. Well, I don't know if it was roof to roof, but yeah, the gargoyle like crouching on. Yeah. The, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'm pretty sure that was Ed on Campfire Stories. Good memory. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I it's it one just, that like, stuck out. it struck yeah. me so mm-hmm. much that it was like a gargoyle jumping on the roof that I, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. There's just a lot in the world that is mysterious and unknown to us. And that is why Mm -hmm. you and I are embarking upon this adventure and journey of seeking out the unknown. Yes. But not inviting it into our homes. No, no. But are very curious to hear if you've ever sought out and invited it into your home. Or not invited, (laughs) but accidentally opened up a portal or, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe perhaps... It just came to into your life, unfortunately. Yes. And that's the whole reason we have an email. And it is two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. So please email us. Please do. And there's a variety of ways to support us. You can join us on Patreon. We do live streams every month. We 
have um, bonus merch. We send out stickers. What else? We do so many things on there. Uh, bonus episodes. There's a lot. Ad-free episodes. Yes. It's a, a joyous time. You can also follow us on social media, TikTok, Instagram. You can buy merch. Uh, all those things. All those things. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports us. All of you guys for listening. Everybody who joins our pyramid scheme and tells everybody else to listen. And also to our amazing editing team over at Upfire Digital. Thank you to all of you. Yes, we will. And we will see you on the other side. Very smooth.